This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Another week, another new episode of Education Matters, another chance for me to say thank you for joining us once again. I'm Katie Olmstead, and I work with some awesome people on the Ohio Education Association's communications team, serving 120,000 teachers, higher ed faculty members, and education support professionals around the state. And I have to say, a conversation I had with one of those members over the summer broke my heart. Jill Wagner is a passionate educator who has dedicated decades of her life to her students. As a longtime middle school teacher in Independence in Northeast Ohio, she received national recognition for her innovative approaches to remote learning when her school had to pivot to that during the pandemic. And she is one of countless teachers in Ohio who have decided they have had enough. Enough of the nonsense coming out of the state house. Enough of the daily anxiety over school safety. Enough of the political attacks on her profession. Enough of, well, everything. It all added up. And Jill decided over the summer it was time for her to retire from teaching. As the new school year got going, her first one without being a full-time teacher, we asked her to share her perspective. Jill Wagner, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. As we start the new school year, how are you feeling as a retired English teacher now? Well, being freshly retired for only a couple of weeks, it's a very, it's a very conflicting feeling. Uh, I'm been very fortunate to be able to continue coaching writing teams and being the spelling bee coordinator. So I still have my toes in the water, so to say. Uh, But I am not liking the feeling of not being a full-time teacher. Then why aren't you a full-time teacher anymore? What made that decision happen for you? Well, first and foremost, my mom lives with us and she's going to be 92. And I wanted to spend time with her and honoring her. But second is all of the different challenges that a regular classroom teacher faces, and including OTES, EP tests, iReady, the standardized testing, AP testing, AP this, AP that, ACT tests, just all of that. And then the thing that finally really put me in a very focused perspective is the May 24th when I was at home uh, again with my mom. I was able to take sick days, fortunately, for, you know, have teachers having that option in their contract. And I was watching the Uvalde shooting happen. And I felt like I was back exactly where I was on 9-11 or even when Kristen McAuliffe blew up on the what was it, the Challenger, I believe. And I was watching it on TV and they kept going and they kept going. And I, the the police were, for whatever reason, the law enforcement, they stopped going in and you still heard these shots. And I was like, oh my God, I have goosebumps right now. You know, that's, that's somebody's son or daughter could have been a student, you know, that possibly was being murdered. And I was I said, this is, this is crazy what teachers have to face now a days. And then, um, 
that was May 24th, I believe. I hope I have the right date. And then in June, I'm watching again TV because my mom and I, that's something that we do. And Governor DeWine signs the House Bill 99 that teachers need less than 24 hours to be able to carry a gun in the classroom. And I was like, what is going on with all of these challenges that teachers now have to face? It just, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. It's insulting. It's so many other emotions or descriptions of emotions that I can think of. So I just decided that I, I, Hey, you know, July 1st, I was going back. I had, I had my school calendar ready. I had everything going. And then about a week later, I said, I just can't do this. The The whole gun thing really, really upset me. So then on July 13th, I applied for retirement. Hey, I'm hearing a couple of things from you. One is that school safety is obviously a very big concern for you. And, and the Uvalde shooting seems to have really um, just exacerbated that to a certain extent or, or yes. elevated that. Yes, it did the, elevate it. The, mm-hmm. The legislature is saying, well, yeah, we'll make school safer by putting more guns in school. Is that the answer? No, that is not the answer. And my husband, being a veteran, he too is a teacher. He also does not feel to have guns in the classroom, even though he had years of training. I cannot imagine, just just thinking of scenarios, if someone next to me, another teacher, has a has a weapon now that it, you know, no, you don't have to have a concealed carry or anything in the school. They had to rush out of the room, whether they had to use the restroom or something happened. And then this is quite often happens with teachers because, you know, you're not supposed to leave the students unattended. You know, I would be in the hallway watching two different classrooms. And then all of a sudden he has a gun. I don't know about it. And the kids, somebody rushes in, they know where people have guns or if they're on him or such. I couldn't imagine that scenario. How is a gun going to help the situation if there's a shooter in the building? That is not going to help. I'm just, I'm insulted that Governor DeWine and the legislators don't ask the educators, the people on the front lines, what they need to help secure the schools. It isn't more guns. And I was listening to another story podcast about there is a school somewhere that now has an AR-15 locked in their office with a key so that if somebody comes in with an AR-15 assault weapon and starts shooting, they can go get that. You're going to tell me that there's not going to be innocent bystanders. It's just, uh, again, mind-boggling, insulting, and it is not what teachers need to be safer in the classroom more guns how ridiculous well and and i think you hit the nail on the head there when you said no one's even asking teachers what they need case in point all of the nonsense legislation that is swirling around proposed for so-called crt uh Mm -hmm. critical race theory and and other things that people who aren't in the classroom who apparently have no concept of what's being taught in our classrooms are now trying to legislate what teachers can and cannot say in their classrooms and how they can best serve their students. Did that play into your decision to walk away from teaching? All of it played into my decision. Um, House Bill 99 was the 
the culminating point of my decision. However, CRT, how ridiculous. I actually had a board member, not in Independence, another board member from another district say, you know, you teach English and you, I know that you love the teaching of the Diary of Anne Frank, which I do. Everybody who, whom I taught with knows that. Um, asked, well, are you going to be able to teach that again? And I saw in the news today in Texas, they're banning the graphic novel version of the Diary of Anne Frank. CRT has never been taught in Independence Middle School nor the high school. And then to have a board member like, oh, well, I'm going to go back to my school district and tell them that, you know, this is wrong, CRT. It, this is a political agenda that is trying to, again, force something on educators that have not asked for it. Banning books, I feel like I'm clockwork orange. I, I cannot believe that they are going to ban books. But, you know, things have changed. Like even in our schools, we don't have dedicated libraries anymore either, which is another thing that we could talk about. But yes, this uh, CRT, all of this has just played into, it played into my decision. It couldn't have been an easy decision. When I talk to you, uh, when I've had any conversations with you in the past, it is so clear to me how much you love teaching. Yes. Quick enough? Yes. <laughs> what What do you love about teaching? What did I like about teaching? My favorite part about teaching, grammar especially, is to have fun with it. I always figured out some creative way, whether it was from my own thought process or TPT or just asking other colleagues and such, but was to have fun with grammar because grammar can be so bland and boring. Um, that was one of the best parts of teaching is having fun with words. Another part is, you know, as I've said this to many people, um, again, being a spiritual person, when that light bulb goes on and you see it in a student, especially in a whole group of students, that is just, that's a, it's a spiritual, it's, it's an, to be cliche as an out of this world experience, just to see that possibly another's, you know, synapse or something is firing in the child's brain and they're learning and hopefully they remember that or they're inspired by that or, or, uh, or just enjoy learning. I consider myself a lifelong learner. I can't stop reading. I can't stop learning. I want to know more and more and more. I want to learn how to speak another language. You know, I, I just hope others feel that way because having a dull brain produces a dull adult. <laughs> and I don't, I don't ever want to be like that. I want to continue to learn and, you know, be productive in my society and in my community. And unfortunately, it, it does sound like you're able to take advantage of some opportunities in the Independence District to really keep yes. your hand or your, I guess your foot. I'm not sure. Whichever body <laughs> part in the in the teaching door, even if you're not a full-time teacher. Yes. What are you doing this fall? I'm By the way, I'm very grateful to the Independence District for allowing me to continue this. Uh, you know, it's an honor. Uh, what am I going to be doing in the fall? Well, as you know, once you retire, you're not allowed to do anything for a specific amount of time. So as come October, I will again be going to the middle school and encouraging the kids to join Power of the Pen and expressing my 
love of words and hopefully continue to earn awards. We've placed many times in Power of the Pen. And then I also go to up to the high school and with those students up there, ninth through 12th grade, I am able to have a creative writing team and we do competitive writing with the Just Write. Uh, I initiated a creative writing team at the high school, a competitive creative writing team. And so I will go in there and we will meet and we will have prompts and we will we'll eat a little bit. <laughs> snacks, <laughs> snacks are always good for the brain and, the, and for fun. And um, then we go to competitions and I love competing with words, with the kids, with the writing. And last year we came in first place. So oh, congratulations yes, in power of the pen. And then at the high school level, we came in third place out of 40 schools in the entire state of Ohio. We were at state finals. Yeah, I know it's fun. Yeah. It's I love power of the pen when I was in middle school, that was really a formative experience for me. Good. And I hope that you, uh, have children someday and you allow them to have that formative experience as well. But here's the thing. I come mm -hmm. from a family of educators. My mom's a retired teacher. Both my sisters are teachers. My brother-in-law is a former teacher. And I think about my kids and I don't know whether they would see teaching as an attractive profession. And it just breaks my heart to say that even. I mean, there is a teacher shortage, as you're aware. I mean, I was just reading today on Cleveland.com, you know, about the teacher shortage and such. Um, I was re I read a lot of different news sources. But anyhow, uh, yeah, I've heard that. And, you know, here's a here's a scenario that uh, in where my husband teaches, which I won't say the system because I don't want to speak for him, but they had uh, four openings and they only had three applicants. So. So that tells you a lot about the teaching field. Yeah, we have 17 teachers, administrators, counselors in my immediate family. So I do understand that. Are they going to continue to go into education? I don't, it's not, it's just not a lucrative position. It never really has been. I mean, the health benefits, yes, are wonderful, but all of these different stipulations and hurdles that the new kids are going to, I have to say this kids cause I'm older and <laughs> you know that what they're going to face. I, I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I would have gone into it either. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot to think about right now. Um, it used to be, it used to be so much more fun. We were able to meet with our board members, with the community members. And we, you know, for every district, I've been in three different districts, and then you form what you need for those students, if you want to say your clientele in a sense. And we worked together and we collaborated and we had projects and we did all this stuff. And then now the turnover of administrators, you know, principals and such is like every three to four years they leave. Um, you have these politicians now coming in telling us what to teach. I, I, I think the the world doesn't understand that a teacher is the second parent in a sense to a child. When you are a teacher, you have those students, especially primary school teachers. My hat goes off to them out there. Uh, you know, you bring in the child, and you're 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 wiping their tears. You're you're teaching them. You're helping them eat. You're teaching them so much. I don't understand why the value is still not there as it was even 25 years ago. But what's crazy is that the world really does seem to understand that. There was a um, 
recent study commissioned by the Children's Defense Fund, Ohio, that Mm -hmm. uh, it showed overwhelmingly, it was at something like 90 something percent of Ohio parents trust their children's teachers. They trust them to be positive role models. They trust them to teach age appropriate material. They, they want them to help their students develop into good, well-rounded, whole child human beings with that social emotional learning that you're getting as part of these lessons. And the people who are trying to drive a wedge uh, and make our classrooms political battlegrounds, they don't represent even a fraction of actual Ohioans that Ohio parents overwhelmingly do support teachers and they want the politicians to stop this nonsense. How frustrating is it that if only that vocal minority would sit down and just be quiet, you could be fine. The political world doesn't care. The political world right now, because of whatever social media or news broadcasters, whatever, it's it's almost like it's a it's a game all the time you know it's us versus them the the truth seekers the the parents that care the ones the 90% well they're sitting back because they're happy they're secure with their lives because they know that their children are getting a good education they are good parents and then you have these other like you said the 10% that are out there and they're just fighting and their their insecurities are coming out and everybody's giving them a megaphone and so others you know you have these like lost souls in a sense i feel like the lemmings in that you know the the uh the book that they're just following right behind them these conspiracy theories and all of this so i i don't know the I've gone through having teaching with the internet and without the internet, and it's a fine dance. It's a fine dance to show the students what is real, what isn't. And some of these parents, they need to get into that class too to find out what's real and not. Now the political world has changed, has changed education. You know, it was the one last, if you want to say frontier that wasn't for profit. And when No Child Left Behind in 2001 came in and the Tussin companies came in and I saw such a change, such a change, and then it became about money again. The student was not just a child or a learner. It was a it was a buck, if you want to say, and I'm not talking dear. <laughs> <laughs> All of that is adding up to educators like you, great, highly qualified, experienced, passionate educators leaving the profession, and that hurts our kids. Our kids are the ones missing out. They are. They really are. And I I believe in having young, new, fresh ideas in a school setting, you know, young teachers, because they bring they bring the fun, the fancy, the the inspiration, you know, they're the role models for the little ones and such. And if they're not going into this profession, there's going to, I mean, the rest of me, if you want to say quotes around me are going to be of an age and we're going to retire. And so what's left? I don't know. Well, Jill, I thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us and, and helping us really understand the decision. It definitely doesn't sound like it was an easy one for you, but it is a no, sign it of the wasn't. times. No, it wasn't at all. I, yeah, I, even at my old age and full of wrinkles and full of wisdom, I cried uh, quite a bit over the thought of having to do this. And I just, you know, I felt valued by the parents and the 
and the, my immediate administrator, but I didn't feel valued by some of the political pundits in our state and also even some of the political pundits in our school system. But overall, I do want to say, and I know the time is coming to an end here, uh, it has been an honor to be a full-time teacher in Bedford schools, in Brunswick schools, and in independent schools for my 39 years. It's just, it's been an honor. The, the kids that I've met, some of them I still keep in contact with and they're in their 40s and have children. I know that I've, I've made an, a positive impact. So it's, uh, it's been an honor. And it has been an honor to talk to you. Jill thank Wagner, you. thank you. Thank you, Katie. As Jill mentioned, there are so many great educators leaving the profession and we are struggling to get new educators in the door. And it's all leading to this big, looming staffing crisis in our schools. Ohio's lawmakers have a lot of power to fix that if they made our public schools their priority. Over the next several weeks here on Education Matters, we're going to be hearing from some of the candidates, Republicans and Democrats alike, who are promising to give our schools, students, and educators the support they need. And we'll be talking about how OEA members make the decisions about which candidates should get our support. Make sure you subscribe to Education Matters wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, stay well. Stay well.